Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. He is an educator. He's an investor. Uh, he's just an all-around great guy. Uh, welcome to the show, Mark Podolsky. Victor, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited because I'm fully caffeinated, by the oh, way. Perfect. <laughs> So, Mark, you've grown your investment business for quite some time. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but maybe let's focus primarily today on systems and processes. But before we jump into that, maybe give a little bit of your backstory, how you got into the world of real estate investing, and, and we'll go from there. Sure. I, I used to be an investment banker. I specialized in mergers and acquisitions, and I worked with private equity groups, mid-market stuff, you know, five to $500 million in enterprise value, so nothing too crazy. And I hated it. I had a, a 45 minute commute to working back. Uh, I was micromanaged. It was long hours. It was high pressure. And it got so bad for me that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy. He's telling me he's going to tax deed auctions, he's buying up raw land pennies on the dollar. He's putting them online and he's making an average 300% return on his investment. So of course, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Great company. Average companies at 10% and I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So of course, I don't believe him. I go to New Mexico with him. I got three grand saved up for car repairs. I buy 10 half acre parcels an average price of $300 each, get the plat maps, take pictures of the area, put them up online. And sure enough, the next month they all sell. And at an average price of over $1,200, 300% it worked. So I went to another auction and I took all that money and I'm buying up lots and acreage in Arizona where I live. And over the next six months, I made over $92,000 on that, just that one auction. And so I go to my wife, I'm like, honey, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to invest in land full time. And she said, absolutely not. So I said, fine. So I worked part time in land investing until the land investing income exceeded the investment banking income. That took about 18 months. And then I quit and I've been doing it full time. I've done over 5,200 transactions and growing. Wow. What a great story. You know, it's interesting. You and I have a similar background, although um, I haven't been in investment banking. I was involved in a number of mergers and acquisitions from, you know, from the other side. Uh, so I was working with private equity firms, but not actually part of a private equity firm. But, yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of fun, right, Victor? It, boy, <laughs> talk about adrenaline. You know, it's yeah. 90 days of heads down craziness, and then everyone just goes and hangs out on the beach for two weeks, and then they go do it again. It's a crazy life. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, what you're talking about are, let's say, small transactions. You know, the, the ROI is great, but unless you're doing a very large volume like you are, it's a get-rich-slow scheme if you're dealing with small numbers. Exactly. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Exactly. So the way that we do it is we basically take this, you know, typically what you consider an illiquid asset that does not cash flow. And we make it liquid and we make it cash flow. So the way the model works, Victor, is essentially we look for people that live out of state and act taxes. So we'll go to the county assessor or the county treasurer. We'll get the 
list of you know people that own real property in that county. And then we'll scrub the list out of the residential, commercial, industrial, and we can sort by use code, we get the vacant land. Then we'll do another sort by acreage, and then we'll take the assessed value or we'll take a look at the last 12 to 18 months of, of comps, and we'll simply divide by four, and that gets us a 300% margin of safety. So we'll send out offers. So we're not playing the housing game saying, hey, I'm interested in buying your house. No, we send out an actual offer on that raw land. Three to 5% of people accept that offer. We go through the due diligence, we buy the property, and then we have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who that is? Tell me. The neighbors. Of course. The neighbors. So we'll send out neighbor letters. It will say, hey, look, before we go to the open market, here's your opportunity, protect your privacy, expand your holdings, and oftentimes the neighbors will buy it. And so the way that we would sell it is let's say, for example, there's a property in Texas that I paid $2,500 for, right? The comps are 10000 So simply I divided by four, I, bought, I paid it $2,500. Then I go to the neighbors and I say, look, the property is, say, $12,000. We're going to take $2,500 as a down payment. And then we make it a car payment, $449 a month at 9% interest over the next eight years. And so essentially, we've created this passive income stream for the next eight years of $449 a month, but I don't have to deal with any renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act. So for us, we look at it as the ultimate subscription model. You know, nothing physical, nothing to maintain, nothing to protect. And then the game that we like to play is can we create enough of these notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses and then we're working because we want to, not because we have to. Where are you raising the capital for these acquisitions? Because, you know, if you're taking a note out or if you're putting a note on these properties, essentially sell our financing to the neighbor, ultimately you still have to finance the purchase of the property. Right. So, you know, the capital issue, because these are smaller deals, oftentimes we don't have to use any leverage. We don't have to use private money. And because there's no competition in our market, it's not like, you know, wholesaling where there's five other people right behind you. We can, we can do a lot of different creative things uh, from a financing perspective. So oftentimes people who, are, who don't have a lot of capital, for example, let's say, let's take our example of $2,500 for the, uh, the payment. Well, let's say they didn't have the $2,500. Essentially what they would do is they would still send out the neighbor letters. The neighbor would then pay them the $2,500 as a down payment. They would take that down payment, pay off their seller the $2,500. Now they have an infinite return on investment and they didn't have to use any of their own capital. But let's say that, for example, um, they are using their own capital and let's say instead of getting $2,500 down, they get $2,000 down. And then it's going to take you know, a month or two to get their money out to redeploy in a new deal. What they could do is they could go to someone like myself and say, hey, look, I created this note and I have other deals. I need more capital. I'll sell you 12 months of the cash flow of that note. And so I would buy 12 months of that cash flow they would then get their capital out to redeploy into a new transaction. And then that passive income then revert back to them 12 months later. So it's almost like two bites of the apple. Does that make sense? 
It sure does. It sure does. That's a fascinating, fascinating strategy. So you must obviously, if you're going through such a large volume, you've got to have put some systems in place here because going through this the old-fashioned way, you know, uh, searching title manually, that's going to be very, very time-consuming. Yeah, absolutely. So from 2001 to, say, 2007, I really just treated this business like um, an ATM machine. So I would just flip, 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 flip. I'd make my 300% and I was just velocity of money. And it was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made because the guys that started at the same time as me, they were building their passive income up to 100,000 a month, 200,000 a month, 250 a month. And I was starting over every single time I did a, a land flip. And so once I started doing owner financing, I, I really created, you know, I'm like, okay, I gotta treat this more like a, a real business because- that's the only way I'm going to scale and get to the next level. So essentially what we would do is we would create systems and it started with software. So we started, you know, instead of, I had a, a woman in South Carolina doing my mailings. So now we use an integration called lob, lob.com and they have an API and we use our software to send out. So now that piece is automated. Now when the offers come back, and they get accepted, and we go through due diligence, we have a team in the Philippines that actually does our due diligence. I, I pay about $11 for due diligence. Their software is hooked up to an American title company. They do the title search. They get the GPS coordinates. They get the GIS maps, the plat maps, the aerial photos from Google Earth. They fill out my property report and essentially move it along in our software. So then once we buy the property, we then have our system. We're going to send out the neighbor letters. We're going to go to our buyers list. We're going to list on Craigslist. We're going to go to Facebook buy sell groups. And we'll go to so like landmoto.com or landsofamerica.com. But either way, we're going to sell this property 30 days or less because we're making our pricing irresistible. Once we sell the property, we use a system called geekpay.io. And this automates the note collection. It automates collecting the money via ACH every single month. It does the notifications if they're late, if their payment didn't go through, if it did go through, everyone gets notified. And essentially, the paperwork now is automated. It used to take me 20 minutes in sending out paperwork, a purchase sale agreement, a promissory note, and a land sale contract now takes two seconds. So everything is all automated. And everywhere I look at what I was doing in the business, I created a system. I would have my daughter read the system. If she didn't understand it, I would write it again and edit it until she completely understood it. And then we would go to Upwork and, and hire a, a virtual assistant. So the system made us more bulletproof than the human being working that system. And that's how I'm 90% automated to this day. And we can do the volume we are doing without me personally killing myself. With any system, what I've discovered is that the majority of the effort, probably 80% of the effort is not when it goes through the success case, but it's in fact managing the exceptions that don't fit the rule. You know, for example, if I use the airline uh, as an example, if American Airlines, you know, has a flight that takes off on time, it lands on time, 150 people get on, 150 people get off. It's all routine, no problem. If the flight is delayed by two hours, now all of a sudden you've got 75 people lining up at the counter to get rebooked. And the amount of energy that goes into managing that exception case is off the charts compared with the success case. How do you right. put, build into your systems 
managing exceptions because let's face it, in land titles, there's always something that comes up. There's an easement. There's something, uh, you know, something that's not right. Um, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so the, that's the beauty of real estate, right? So if it's $5,000 or less, we'll do our own title search. And essentially, if there's any kind of, let's say, a break in the title, there's something that we need to clear up, then we'll just go ahead and clear it or we'll pass on that transaction if it's going to take too long um, or it's going to kill our margin. Let's say the back taxes are too too high, right? And then we'll, you know, we would renegotiate the purchase price. If the seller doesn't renegotiate, we just pass. So our philosophy, our deals are like the bus. There's another one down the pike. So on these sort of uh, anomalies that are going to take too much time, too much money, we just on the deal. Now, if it's five thousand dollars or more, what's the beautiful part of real estate is a title company will handle those issues for us and. If there is a break in the title, we'll see it on the preliminary title report. If there's an easement issue, we'll see it on the preliminary title report, and we can just certainly pass on that deal or, or clear it. That's brilliant. I love it. And one of the most difficult things when it comes to systems and letting go of something, I mean, obviously, you've been involved in these systems right from the very beginning, very hands-on involved, is actually having the confidence to let go and know that even though you're not actually watching everything that's happening, that it's actually happening properly. How did you make that transition? So I make it sound easy, right? But it took me four years to let go. Um, I really did not let go easily. Picture like a baby kicking and screaming. So I, you know, I might let go of one piece, but I'd hold on to the rest of the pieces. So this is a very slow process. It was not like turning on a light switch for me. And even today, you know, I'll go in every day in the software, how many offers went out, how many were accepted, how many are you know, pending, and how many deals did we close, how, how many uh, you know, ads did we create today. So I'm always kind of looking at the numbers um, and then having a team meeting once a week. So you know, I want to be a big delegator, but not an abdicator. So I don't want to abdicate the business to, to my team and just feel like I'm, I'm completely sort of in the dark. But then again, it did take a lot of years of just confidence and feeling like I could pull back, trusting the team. And then the last piece that I let go of was sales. And the interesting thing about it is now that I look back is people really want to do a good job. They wanted to do a better job than I wanted to do even. They really cared and they really wanted uh, my approval that they were doing a good job. And essentially, it took me a long time to realize like there's other people out there that can do it just as well as me, if not better, once they're properly trained and, and motivated and committed and they see the bigger picture and, and the higher purpose for doing all this, then it's not just about, you know, them or me. It's like this, this bigger vision of, of helping people, you know, acquire an asset that, you know, we feel like is, is the best asset on earth. It's, it's going to last it's going to you know, outlive you and me. It's a generational asset and, and has all these sort of benefits to it. And once people really internalize that, they work so much harder. And it just took me a long time, Victor, to, to really let go. I wish I could have said, yeah, you know, it took me six months to create these systems and let go. It, it really didn't. Well, you know, I appreciate the authentic answer because at the end of the day, these, you know, business is hard. Uh, I've discovered business is hard. I'm sure you have as well. 
and yeah. there is no there is no free lunch. You've really got to put in the time and build the systems slowly over time and build integrity into those systems. And unless you do, uh, it's going to get very very difficult. So, uh, well, congratulations first and foremost. So Thank much you. we could, Thank you. so much we could talk about. Uh, we'll probably have to keep it at that for today. If if listeners want to get in touch with you, we'll definitely have you back on the show. If uh, if listeners want to get in touch, how do they reach you? I think the best place to go is thelandgeek.com and they can download for free our passive income blueprint. They can get the ebook, how to avoid the three feet of land buying mistakes, and they can get our podcast, the Art of Passive Income podcast, delivered each week to their email inbox. And if they email support at thelandgeek.com and they put in the subject line Victor Menashe or uh, you know po- Espresso Podcast, whatever it is, we'll send them our uh, passive income launch kit, which is normally $97 for free. Wonderful. Well, Mark, uh, pleasure speaking with you. We'll definitely catch up again in the near future. And uh, for the listeners of the Real Estate Espresso podcast, have a spectacular, spectacular weekend. Make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.